Blog Talk Radio. Flow360.com. This is Fanatic Radio, powered by 1-800-Flowers, America's premier sports music program. I'm your host, Mike Gardner. Joins me always, notorious Ben Florence and B-Flow. The Consumer Report released big cover story about how gluten-free could actually be bad for you or not as healthy as they might say. Should we be the ones that uh, break it to the rest of the American public? I think, I think without question, and I think this will continue to pose the, sh- the further sham that is stuff like organic foods. It's all it's all a scam to try and screw hardworking Americans like you and I, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple. I have a couple of neighbors that are, are gluten free, but they're under the age of ten, so I don't think I have the heart to truly tell them. Yeah, nevertheless, that's probably, that's probably <laughs> for the better. Nevertheless, this is uh, Fnac Radio. Presented by 100 Flowers. You can go to 100flowers.com and get some beautiful choicement from their wonderful arrangement just in time for the holiday. Mm. Go to 100 Flowers. Call 100flowers.com. We have a great show for you on hand. Big show. Big sports weekend rolling in after the uh, Thanksgiving break. We'll have some college basketball. Actually, we'll have some pregame discussions as we have... A big college basketball matchup of number one Kentucky taking on Texas. People are saying that Texas could be the a team that that dethrones the uh, the the Blue Patrol. We also we'll talk about some college basketball, some NFL, but also we'll talk when we begin today with college football. As tonight is the Pac-12 championship game, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, with Oregon taking on Arizona. And that is just the tip of the iceberg of what is set to be a wild and crazy weekend in college football. As the playoff selection show is this Sunday, I want to also remind you that Fanatic Radio, b and I will be bringing you an exclusive episode during the selection show, 1230 Eastern, where you can follow the conversation live on Twitter and also call into our show on Sunday at 646-595-3137. b will be looking back at this this first season under this new format this pressure cooker if you will mm-hmm. we original originally when when i when i said on the fnac radio college football preview that nothing i don't think nothing was really wrong that in the selection committee could really backfire we're seeing a lot of scenarios play out where this sunday it could be just all hell breaks loose you know, you're absolutely right i think the one scenario that everybody uh could be worried about is the fact that the SEC, which still is re- you know, regarded by almost everybody, at least what would think, as the best co- conference in college football, and yet if Alabama loses, uh, you know, the number one team loses tomorrow in Atlanta to Missouri, you know, they're like the uh, double-digit point favorite. But if they were to fall to a Missouri team, 
you would likely not have a single SEC team in a playoff, which is something that our good friend Tim Brando will be calling tonight. Pac-12 championship game on Fox with your boy Joel Classical. So, got all of that. But, you know, but, you know, the chaos is still going to, uh, you know, still going through, especially what everyone's talking about, that Baylor-TCU discussion. Baylor, of course, beat TCU. But TCU now is not only pulled away a little bit from Baylor, they're, they've actually jumped Florida State. Florida State right now is, and I don't know how that is, Yes, they haven't really looked that impressive, but they've been committees been kind of trolling them the whole time. You know, could have some could have some significant amount of shaking up, and who doesn't love to shake it up more than us? Well, looking at the top four teams, they've stayed the same for the past three weeks. The only difference is the Florida State has, has, has dropped with the close games they've had. But yeah. in, in terms of, in, but in terms of of the of the big, especially in the Big Twelve, because the big game, Baylor K State is where game day is going to be tomorrow. That's going to be a, a big game tomorrow night. That you know, if K State could play sort of the spoiler to Baylor's season, uh-huh. what, what 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 happens? You know, if let's say Florida State has another close game in the in the ACC championship game against a Georgia Tech team that beat Georgia between the hedges. Yeah. Now, what happens if Florida State has another close game and the Ohio State blows Wisconsin out of the water? Because the Florida State defending national champions and a team that has not lost a game, could they they be out of the playoffs? You know, I really can't see that happening. I mean, yeah, they've been toying with them because they've had all these close games. They've had to, you know, pull away late. But if they have a, I think having a close game against Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech is, you know, what, 15 in the, the college football rankings. Well, they're they're actually a pretty solid team. They just beat Georgia. They've uh, they've won, uh, won a bunch of games this year. They look very good. I can't see them keeping out an undefeated Florida State team out of the playoffs, even if they don't look that impressive. Because, yes, the ACC is, is not very good at all. But I really can't see when you leave them out for, say, A, a team that has a loss. There's somebody like Ohio State who will be on their third quarterback. And let's be honest, you can't ignore the fact that Ohio State lost to Georgia Tech, who lost to Wake, and only last week had to rally late just to get to a bowl game. So I can't see that team jumping Florida State. I think if uh, Florida State – even as they are fourth right now, I still think, consider them a lock, but I'd be totally stunned if they were to keep them out. I think that would just be a, a complete mess. What about two Big 12 teams? Because there is a possibility of Arizona beats Oregon, and we'll get to the preview of that game l- later in this segment. But what if Oregon loses mm-hmm. and Baylor wins? Could you see two teams from a 10-team conference being the playoff, being the Final Four? Yeah, I think you can see that. I think and Oregon has to be on high alert. They've lost the last two years to Arizona, and they lost earlier this year to Arizona at home. Now, this game's at a neutral site in Santa Clara. But that's going to be a fun game to watch. Arizona's looked very strong this year, except for the one game they dropped to, I believe they lost to UCLA, who was also looking very good. But then they lost to Stanford and just looked terrible. I think in that situation – 
you're going to see a legitimate possibility should both TCU and Baylor take care of business. And, of course, the Big 12 is doing this, this absurdity of, because they usually have, we have one true champion. Now they're like, well, we may have two true co-champions, which is totally ridiculous. And it really, for some reason, I don't know why they're doing it, because if anything, that's just going to hurt Baylor. Because we all know that Baylor really will be the true conference champion if they win Sunday. So it's, um, I could see that, but I also think that you could see an Arizona team possibly get into the mix. But, of course, we have had the rankings all year. They really don't mean anything now. And now it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the selection committee, who we've never really seen in action before and what they could factor in, ultimately decide out on Sunday. That's the thing with the selection committee. I, I, still, don't, I still don't agree with it because – or I, I still think it is, is, it is more flawed than the majority of, of, of America gives it credit for because – the reason the reason why they changed the system is not is not because of the computers because quite frankly you know the computer the computers can only do one job much much like what we see uh, in today's society with technology i think the big the big thing that a lot of people had beef with the old bcs is the coaches poll and the coaches because that's because those people have have more bias towards teams than anyone because a lot of, uh, they're they're very they're very allegiant to their conferences, and that's and I think because the coaches' poll was so out of whack, so troubled, that's why they switched to this playoff. Now look, uh-huh. and now of course now looking at the play, and so then then you also factored factored in the computers. Now with this new play with the new playoff and the selection committee, as I as I said with our preview show a couple with with months back, featuring our good friend Graham Burns, yep. the Trouble we get is now you put a name with the face, and there's going to be more hatred, as hopefully we'll see on Sunday when when <laughs> we, we do our selection show. That's they, right. There'll be a lot of people just out for vendetta against you know highly it's not not just against coaches, but these are athletic directors and and highly respected people. You know, Condi Rice being one of them, of someone who has worked closely with the most powerful man on the planet. And now it just it just makes it even worse, and all these, you know, rankings leading up. I don't think it'll change if if, if all the teams went out. Sadly, to the Ohio State, to the Baylor fans, I don't think it'll change, because yeah. or or then then again, know, knowing how the mothership wants to uh, to uh, poke the fire, I could see a huge shakeup. Hopefully, I'm saying hopefully these teams don't lose, but if they don't lose, these four teams. They'll be set. Just want to remind everyone that 9 p.m. Eastern, Fox, Gus on the call, live from Santa Clara, Pac-12 championship game. Or no, it's, it's Brando. Oh, no, Brando and Clad, as, as Flo mentioned. Yeah, Gus is going to be at the Big Ten game. Yeah. This Saturday. Yeah, Arizona-Oregon is tonight. That is a big game. Would it be upset? Would it be, so if, if, what if, Arizona, if Arizona wins, do they jump from 7-4, to four, or does no Pac-12 team get in? I think that I think that them jumping into the playoffs if they beat Oregon, I think that's very much a legitimate possibility. They do have their one loss, so that they would have a very impressive win, not only beating Oregon and Oxen, which is, as we all know, a very tough place to play, but beating Oregon, who's a lot to get into the playoffs if they win, 
beating them at a neutral field will be just as impressive as the road win. So I think them jumping from seven to four, uh, if they win, I think it's a very much a legitimate possibility jumping those other teams that are ahead of them, uh, TCU, uh, Baylor, Ohio State, potentially. Yeah, Oregon's looked great the past few weeks. Of course, they Arizona, Arizona hasn't been too shabby either. Oregon, though, Oregon, they have ripped apart, with the exception of that loss, and then yeah. you know, then going into uh, into Wazoo State, good old Mike Leach, barely <laughs> escaping that. They have literally ripped apart every team they've played. Past four wins since the month of November. 45-16 against Stanford, 51-27 in that wild game against Utah. They ripped the CU Buffs 44-10, and then in a Civil War rivalry game, they went into Oregon State won 47-19. If they win, does Marcus Mariota win the Heisman? You know, I think uh, I think he's going to have a very much a strong chance. The guy I picked before, I picked before the season. But it's going to depend on how he plays because I I think going in, he is the favorite. But Melvin Gordon's going to be in the mix. And if he has a dominant performance against Ohio State, he could get it. He, he may very well win it. Amari Cooper's been getting a bunch of plays. If he dominates against a pretty good Missouri defense tomorrow, he could very well get it. I think that this year, I think there's one of those years where we have a, a, a few, in those cases, very strong candidates. And I think that how they perform tomorrow and vis-a-vis how their teams perform, you could very well, in my opinion, see all three of them now that they have, you have the award right now. I would still pick Mariota, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a tough call. And so how these teams perform and the players perform tomorrow or tonight in the case of Oregon. And, by the way, Arizona has two losses, not one. I'm mistaken on that. But uh, that could very well decide who gets uh, who gets the trophy at the Downtown Athletic Club next week. Yeah, it's, it's a, a big so big game it's Friday. Preview mm-hmm. into Saturday's games. TCU will play Iowa State. That is ABC at noon Eastern. Bedlam, Fox Sports One, Oklahoma Oklahoma State, and then leading up to that, the 4 p.m. Eastern game, SEC Championship game. I want to give a shout out to Flo's boy Jeff and and all your all of his Mizzou friends. Yeah, gonna be calling it. I so he's back at the Georgia Dome. Yeah, he was there at the uh, at the press conference earlier. He sat next to uh, Kaylee Hartung of the uh, the SEC Network, who apparently used to work at CBS. Ran into Clay Travis, all kinds of shit. So he is at the Georgia Dome for the second straight year. Amazing how Missouri is back in the championship game. Yeah, it really is. Are they up, is Alabama upset prone? Is Mizzou a good enough team to dethrone the tide? I don't think so. I think Mizzou is a good team and a better team. They've shown that they're a better team. But they've had a bunch of really fucking funky games. They got demolished at home by Georgia. They had that really weird performance where they dominated Florida where they only totaled like 130 yards, which was totally bizarre. They The game I went to, they, they – Pretty dead and played very well against them. Connecticut, Kentucky team that was actually played very well to that point. But, I mean, their offense has been very inconsistent this year. The defense is very good, but I just don't think that their offense and how Manny Mock has struggled at times, I don't think that 
they're good enough on that side of the ball to go up against a very tough uh, Alabama defense, as well as keep up with a very potent Alabama offense. I'd be very surprised if Alabama loses tomorrow. I think they'll probably win by like 10 to 14 points or so, at least. I don't yeah. see it being a good game. A shout-out to that Mizzou-Florida game where Missouri won 42-13 to with 119 yards of total offense yeah. oh. and six Florida turnovers as Muschamp, as Muschamp is gone for a reason. I think Alabama will win this game. They they yeah. have looked they have looked good ever since that Arkansas game, in which many of the uh, the SEC uh, conspiracy theorists say that the referees gave Saban that, in which that could have turned Arkansas's season around as they did with their last four games of the year. But ever since that, they've won every game since the loss to Ole Miss. But I, like I said on this show that after that game that this was a good wake-up call, that, that Saban and Kiffin, they finally have gotten their fight on the sideline settled, and then they this team has nowhere to go but up. And I'm not going to toot the, own, the, uh, the chrome horn here. Oh, you are living la vida loca. But they have been absolutely dangerous. They won 59-0 against A&M. They grind out that game that we saw against LSU. They beat the number one, then number one team in the country, and they've you have averaged like 40 points a game. <laughs> and it's because their their defense gets key stops to set up an explosive offense, and we saw that in the Iron Bowl, where you know Billy Billy Sims or whoever he is Blake has, had Blake Sims had a little bit of a struggle. But then, because of Amari Cooper, because of the strong run game, and because of the defense holding Auburn, Auburn didn't stand a chance. And I think it could be close if Missouri does well in the first half, just because it's an alternate site. But uh-huh. I do want to give a shout out to Missouri, though. It's good to you know, nice to see a next Big Twelve team That's throwing right. flexing muscle in it in the SEC. And then the next. Uh, Another another champion another championship game. Speaking of of close than the experts think, and a team that has survived relatively a few scares over the past month, Florida State plays at Georgia Tech, and a Georgia Tech team that is very possession prone. We love the option offense always in a power conference school, and Florida mm-hmm. State has looked pretty shaky against Miami, against Boston College, and. The game against Florida, where Jameis Winston, he could have we, he he could have thrown the ball to us and we would have gotten an interception. Yeah. Does Georgia Tech spoil Florida State's season, or is this the game where Florida State wins by like fifty points? You know, I don't think you're going to see a game from them win by fifty points because I just don't think that this is certainly not the team that we saw last year, and they've got a lot more pressure on uh, Jameis Winston. Unfortunately for him, even amidst all the ugly allegations and all the other stuff and his, his idiocy, he's he's been tremendous this year. You could, I think you can make a case that even though he doesn't have the weapons and he doesn't have his numbers aren't as good, you can make a case that he's just been just as impressive, if not more so, than he was last year. I think it's going to be a very good game because Georgia Tech has been very good of late, and what's going to be key for them is, their their option offense, which has been huge for them this year. 
So, as always, and it's been a lot of fun to watch, the Yellow Jackets from Ramblin' Wreck. But I like Florida State. I think they're ultimately going to pull it out. But, you know, Georgia Tech is going to give them a go. And as we've seen with Florida State all season long, they're not afraid to make it interesting themselves. Yeah, the, the difference is what is Georgia Tech's defense going to bring to the table? They have the number three rushing offense in the country. And I haven't really seen teams run well against Florida State. The teams that hung with Florida State, Miami threw the ball. Florida tried to throw the ball. Notre Dame and Louisville threw the ball. And Clemson threw the ball. We never saw a team with a good run game. So that could be uncharted waters for Jimbo Fisher. But he continues to have confidence in Jameis Winston, a, you know, a guy that we have continually you know, harped on. And, and we said when... when you know, when he came out with the phrase, I'm not a me person, after all the, you know, the student union and the allegations, they said, this is oh, eventually going to come back to haunt him. And so so far, it it has, but it hasn't on the football field yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will happen this week. Florida State will win. But it is coming soon. It is the calm before the storm. Because there's going to come a time. Where it starts, something is going. You know, the 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 dam is going to break. It's going to, and then the flood. The flood is near. I'll just, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll heed that warning. But Georgia Tech, I don't think Georgia Tech's defense is that good. Shout out to them though, number eleven in the country. They've they've managed Damn. to climb their way up the rankings and, right. you know, could make a case for a New Year's Day bowl, which which is which is great for that. Uh, Big Ten championship game before we get to the Kansas State Baylor game. Ohio State and Wisconsin, best running back in the country against the Ohio State team with their third-string quarterback. Yeah. Aaron Meyer seems very confident, but when you're you know making your very first start in what's arguably the biggest game in Ohio State's cricket, they are on the outside looking in as of now. That's right. Every, it's, it seems like everything is against the Buckeyes. I am seeing Wisconsin winning this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a win because I think they have a fantastic run game. Yeah, and Melvin Gordon is just is good. You know, I'm I'm very upset that that Todd Gurley did not play a full season. Mm-hmm. But now now I'm wishing that we would have paid that, that that people would have paid more attention to Melvin Gordon at the beginning of the year. And I'm surprised you know when he ran for 400 yards against Nebraska. Which apparently, which, which apparently happened when we were on a Fnac Radio Thanksgiving break. I might That's add. right. That's and then right. it ended up being broken the next week after. Yeah, uh, the next day after, nonetheless. Yeah. Then <laughs> now you put that in a championship game. He is this this he, this guy has a high ceiling and has done very well. Big Ten apparently has all three finalists of the uh, the Doak Walker Award. So they they've huh. been. They've been rolling with the punches and have done fantastic. I think that run game is too strong. Do you see Ohio State surviving and advancing, and um, and and with the win making a case for the uh, the playoffs? Uh, no, I actually think they're going to go down. You know, I give I give them a ton of credit. You know, we look at now they haven't started a freshman quarterback or a veteran freshman, the guy that nobody really knows what to expect from. And yeah, we were saying the same thing like three or four three months ago about. J.C. Barrett, who came in after um, uh, Braxton Miller got hurt, and then nobody really knew what to get him. He wasn't great against Navy, and then he was terrible against Virginia Tech, but then he was fantastic 
of late. But then you look at, you know, Carla Jones, who played a little bit against Michigan, made some plays, but not a whole lot. The, the game ultimately got, at, uh, well, not really out of hand. But I like Wisconsin to win this game. I think that uh, Melvin Gordon is the kind of guy that uh, Ohio State has not played all year and was key against a high-powered spread offense, like one that Urban Meyer likes to run is that if you keep them off the field, you got to keep them off the field. you got to make stops. And Wisconsin's got a good defense that makes stops, but you got to keep them off the field. That's how when Ohio State impressively smacked Ohio State, or they, uh, they got smacked, they smacked Michigan State. That's what Michigan State, they couldn't get off the field and they couldn't control the ball long enough. But then ultimately they had to play catch it. I like Wisconsin to win this game uh, tomorrow night, I think, and it's potentially going to cause even more havoc in the college football playoff. Yeah, I think I'm going with Wisconsin winning because they, they've had so much momentum in their favor. They won against Minnesota, so that, and that was essentially a good tune-up for this game. I'm just not seeing a young quarterback going into a, a big game. Now this, now we're in this pressure cooker of the playoff, and, the, uh-huh. and, and everything is against Ohio State. And in the last game for Saturday, before we wrap up our college football talk, the case of Baylor. The Baylor Bears take on Kansas State. It's in Waco at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern on, on the uh, the Espen Network. <laughs> now, what is up with Baylor? Because they they are they have been the team that will be the first to uh, to cry foul if they don't get into the playoff. Because if TCU because if TCU beats Iowa State. And apparently, even if Baylor wins, from what we said just several minutes ago, that the, pre- the the standings will probably stay the same. And the only case for Baylor is either a a huge win, a win by like 40 points, when they go out and, and run, you know, the Bryce Petty. I'm gonna get to 100 before you do, or I had to quote the great Barry <laughs> Switzer, hang half a hundred on him. <laughs> What, what is the case, what is the case for Baylor? And an interesting story that came up during the week is apparently they've even gone the further lengths of hiring a PR firm. Yeah. Which which they say is not influence, but it's it's just for help. Kevin Sullivan Communications, who apparently is a he's a he's a very close with the uh, the athletic director and the personnel with with Baylor. So they're uh-huh. they're basically cashing in all, all in on this. But as Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friend. They play a very good K-State team. Absolutely. You know, and as I said on my picks this week, if this game was being played in Manhattan, Kansas, I think Kansas State would be uh, an intriguing up the special. They play, they look very good this year. And they played classic Bill Snyder football. They run the ball well. They got a good mobile quarterback. They can't play good defense. They And they take care of the football, and they don't make mistakes. I like Baylor to win this game. But, you know, every, you could easily look at the point where, the college football playoff has said we want the four best teams. Now, it's kind of hard to make the case that, that TCU is better than Baylor when when these two played, Baylor won. So the fact that you're going off of, you know, the out-of-conference schedule, which, yeah, Baylor didn't play anybody out-of-conference, but they beat TCU, and they rallied to beat TCU in Waco. So I think that it, it would just be ridiculous, but I think ultimately they're going to leave Baylor out almost regardless of what happens. Actually, I shouldn't say regardless. As you said, if they go out and demolish Kansas State, that could be motion to put in. But, like, 
People haven't factored in that TCU got by on the hair of their chinny chin chin against an awful Kansas team a couple of weeks ago. I mean, everyone right. forgets about that. They they want to make the point about, you know, they beat Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's a good team, but, I mean, come on, that should have factored in when they played against Baylor. So, yeah, I still think that there could be a chance that the selection committee maybe had, may have been pulling a con at us and put Baylor out there. I would put Baylor in, but I don't think if both TCU and Baylor win, I don't think Baylor's going to get in. I don't think they will either. What are your thoughts on the PR firm? Does that help or hurt their case? Well, I think that, you know, uh, everyone has tried to use PR before. Mac Brown famously, well, they didn't hire a PR firm, but he was lobbying, you know, the AP guys, what was it, like a decade ago, again, to get to the Rose Bowl and play Michigan. The year before they won the national championship, ahead of a Cal team, which was led by uh, a guy I'm a little familiar with, Aaron Rodgers. Mm. But... But with the, in this case, you know, I, I think I don't see how it tries to help. Now I read somewhere that this PR guy like got the name of the president wrong or got did something wrong. At least initially, I mean, I see why they're doing it. I can't blame them to do it, but I don't know if that's going to help because it seems like the playoff committee has decided that on merits that we don't really know, they're deciding that TCU is better than Baylor. So I don't know if it's going to help that much. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it hurting them because. Uh, it's interesting though the uh, the college football playoff headquarters are in uh, my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Gotta love it. And that is where you can see all the red tape, the strings pulling. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, that's your that's your college football breakdown. Quick reminder tonight: Arizona, Oregon, Fox, 9 p.m. Mm. Eastern, live in uh, sunny California, and the Saturday slate of games: SEC championship game, 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Vernon Gary Danielson, as we live and breathe, are doing the game. Baylor-Kansas State game essentially could be a share for the Big 12 title, or at least help Baylor's case with a win. Mm-hmm. The game's at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. It's the ACC championship game. Florida State-Georgia Tech, ABC, 8 p.m. And then the uh, the toast of the evening, the Big Ten game in Indianapolis, 8:17 on Fox, with Gus Johnson and Charles Davis on the call. But we'll take a break. When we come back, we will uh, we'll touch on some more football, NFL style, and uh, and break into the uh, the college basketball world. We'll finally give it the love that it so deserves. But stay with us. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio, presented by 100 Flowers. Radio. Keep the kids away from the phones, please. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio.
life is a test I've been through the worst, but I still get my best God made my mold different from the rest Then he broke that mold, so I know I'm blessed Stand up now and face the sun Won't hide my tail or turn and run Time to do what must be done I'll be the teacher, you could be the lesson I'll be the preacher, you be the confession I'll be the quick relief to all you stressing It's a thin line between love and hate Is you really real or is you really fake? I'm a soldier standing on my feet No surrender and I won't retreat And I'm now in face of sir Won't hide my tail or turn Mike Garner, Ben Florence, Fanatic Radio. That song was uh, emailed to us by Colin from Pittsburgh, who wants to me to mention that Sig is the man. Yeah. So, uh, I'm assuming that's my good friend Colin Siegfried. I will give him a shout out. <laughs> and um, yeah, great, great song. You know, fun fact about that song: as much as every, as much as I love that song, as, as everyone else probably enjoys that song as well. That song never peaked at number one. 
in the Billboard charts. The highest it got in the American Billboard charts was number eight. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. It's a fantastic I mean, song. It gets no love. That's just all you know. All the junk that is out here with the bass, no treble, and anacondas. You know, Lady Gaga hasn't even released a song in, in weeks. We can't even in months. We can't even blame her for it. That's right. Ugh. Anyway, you you can just say you have to shake it off. It is a good song though. You know, it's funny. The one person I, who like, I think of, I like Swift. The one person who I think of every time I hear that song, strangely enough, is Danny Hamlin. That's there, right. Because there yes. there's that very funny video of uh, his oh girlfriend filmed of him lip syncing. I think of him every time I hear that song. Nevertheless, um, it, is time, it is time now for our, for our history and sports, and we have a great clip. Basically, on this day, because we all know LeBron James is back in Cleveland, but on this day, four yes. years ago, he made his uh, his wonderful return as a member of the Miami Heat to the Cleveland Quicken Loans Arena, and and then the, all this ensued. Now, it's time to meet tonight's starters for the visiting Miami Heat. At 4, 6, 8 from St. Vincent St. Mary High School, number 6, LeBron James. At 4, 6, 11 from Georgia Tech, number 1, Chris Vaughn. You'd expect the Cavalier starting lineup greeted by enormous enthusiasm. While for LeBron James, it is just the start of what figures to be two and a half hours straight of going and heckling. It's amazing how the sports community works in strange ways, Flo, because, you know, on that day, everyone in Cleveland hated him. They burned the jerseys, they had, you know, quitness, the signs. They booed every time he got the ball. Yet on this day, four years ago, LeBron James went off, had like 38 points, just went nuts, embarrassed the Cavaliers, showed Dan Gilbert that, you know, I can make my you know, make my own decisions and then end up getting two rings for it. And then, you know, in a blink of an eye, he's back in Cleveland. That's right. So they're, they're That's right. It's, it's, it's funny, everyone just hated him, and and now he's back in Cleveland. And apparently he's averaged like 30 points the past few games. Uh, that yeah. being said, though we, we did, we were not, we were off the air last week. Uh, everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday. One of Christmas is around the corner, and uh, why not to celebrate the holidays with uh, with one eight hundred flowers? As a uh, special promotion is extended to twelve p.m. or twelve a.m. Excuse me, tonight. You can save twenty five percent by using the promo code Holiday twenty five. That's spelled H L D Y T W N T Y F. And free get free free shipping, no service charge, on exclusive collections at courtesy of our friends at One Eight Hundred Flowers. Beautiful. How was your Thanksgiving break? My Thanksgiving break was great. You know, it was it really was tremendous. It was apparently it's a tradition. People like and from my high school go to like our, well, the, the the popular bar and grill in our town. And what 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 was great is that it. it and literally, like, so the place is always packed, apparently, the night before Thanksgiving. And so me and a few good friends of mine, we all went, and what was sensational about it is that I saw so many people from my high school that I hadn't seen in years, and it was and people I hadn't talked to perhaps even longer, and we're all, like, hugging and saying, how are 
you. You did this fantastic. Thanksgiving was great. I hope yours was great as well. Mine was good. It was, it was relaxing and a lot of football, a lot of food, family, yeah. friends, family, friends, and fun. Not nothing more we can ask. Did you participate in any of the uh, the Black Friday shenanigans? Um, no. You know, I uh, I'm not a Black Friday guy. I think that you know you go and you get punched in the face or you'll be a mob wherever you go. I do love those uh, Walmart commercials with uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and uh, Anthony Anderson. And the best part about it is that, you know, Black Friday, even opening on Thursday, and then it's like, but they don't actually say what Thursday is. They don't mention that Thursday is Thanksgiving. But regardless. My, um, yeah, my, 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 brother, my brother did that. He went to go see uh, the Hunger Games and then went to Target Thursday night, which Ooh. I love. It was a USA Today piece last week that said a quarter of Americans were working through the holidays, which is just oh. awful. Our country's just lost the uh, the holiday of of, th- of Thanksgiving. <laughs> you can't believe I mean, you can't believe that. But my Thanksgiving was right. good. Glad to be back. Uh, didn't didn't miss some um, some big sports things that I think we covered up. But uh, but more importantly, an exclusive trailer came out. <laughs> Beeflo, are you excited to see the uh, the new Star Wars trailer released over the uh, the holiday? Or the, I guess this past week, actually. Yeah, I was actually because you know so many people. It's been interesting. What is you know Star Wars, one of the biggest uh, movie franchises ever? Of course, everybody loves the original sequel, and for the most part, just like the prequels, then everyone wonders how the series is going to go. J.J. You know, that's the great thing about teasers is that, you know, they did exactly what they're supposed to do there. They didn't really tell you anything, but <laughs> they kind of teased the film. The best part about it is, I don't know if you saw it, on YouTube was the George Lucas special edition version of the teaser trailer, which just had just a tremendous amount of unnecessary GI. It just lampooned all the stuff about the prequels, which, of course, he all directed, including the part with the dark side and train negotiation. And if, if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. I, it's very well done, and I enjoy it. I encourage everybody to watch it. Yeah, I, I, I watched about uh, two seconds of that, and as soon as I saw, like, the like the ones that did not relate to the, uh, to the action movie, I just shut it off. Uh, interesting, interesting uh, cast guy, you know, actors, you know, not even in their thirties. And then, uh, yeah. then looking at at IMDb and and all the other you know pages, previewing this, uh, rumors that uh, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker are going to make an appearance in this movie. Absolutely, I mean, you know, because you know, you look at Mark Hamill, who was Luke Skywalker. What the hell has that guy done last few years? I know he does a voiceover, but he fell off the face of the earth. Harrison Ford, of course, is Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher's done some stuff as well. But, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's going to be intriguing, and I think people will be excited about it. As everybody knows, the Star Wars franchise is hugely popular, and so it'll be, uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see how it comes out. Harrison Ford is 72 years old. I mean, I've seen him on talk shows, and he, the guy looks like he can barely move, which, I mean, you know, God bless him. I, I hope he... 
actually you know took this the the the, the, the idea that there's going to be three new ones and it's based a couple of decades after after the uh, the return of the Jedi. But the guy's old, and I you know I can't yeah. wait. I'm a huge Harrison Ford fan because I love Indiana Jones. I, you know, Han Solo is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. My favorite thing, and it shows just how just how cruel the world is. And this is going to tie into another article that I or a, a, a news story that I saw earlier this week. Um, so apparently, in the very in the very first bit of the, uh, of course, I, I don't want to spoil it to anyone who hasn't seen it. But if you haven't seen it, then that's your loss. It's all over YouTube. There's a there's a, there's a an act. Uh, basically, there's a black guy in a stormtrooper costume, and it's he's the very first person you see. And I will get the name of the actor in, in just a minute. But I will continue, I'm going to continue with the story. Yes, uh, uh, John Boyega, who uh, mm-hmm. was in. There's a hilarious movie called Attack the Block, which is a, a British movie about aliens invaded just like a, a little <laughs> tiny town in Britain, which I have seen before, and it's a hilarious movie. I recommend to go see it. But John Boyega is in He's the very first person. He appears in a Stormtrooper costume, and immediately social media and the internet just rips this poor guy, you know, saying, oh, you know – yeah, why? Why is there another black? Why is there a black person in Star Wars? You know, all this racial hate, and then you know, I take a step back and I think Lando Calrissian was black. I was like, why? Mason Windu was black. Exactly. Why is everyone picking on this poor guy? I mean, it's just it, uh, it, a movie for like three seconds. Exactly. And then there's another story. We'll get back to sports <laughs> in a minute. I hate to go off on tangents like this, but this is Fanatic oh, Radio. On, My Gardner Ben Florence. Check out the podcast <laughs> on iTunes and bflow360.com. But did you hear the story about the uh, the congressional aide yeah. that that made <laughs> the that made just low blow shots at the Obama daughters earlier this week? Oh God, you're yeah, I saw that. What is your, being being the politic being the political aficionado you that you are, Flo, what is your take on this knowing that we've got people in affiliated with Congress that that just can't keep their mouths shut and just take shots at at, at the president's kids? Yeah, it was it was just so bizarre because her their comments were like, Well, they didn't look like they wanted to be this wasn't like, you know, based she was going on like if this was like an important thing, like a bill signing, or like they're hosting foreign dignitaries. It was like the silly thing where they parted in a turkey, right. and you could tell, you know, the president was making all the usual corny jokes, and it's, it's just a silly affair. And you know, they're teenagers. They, they, they you know, they, you know, we all remember we were teenagers at squirming with the country of being goofy and all that. But and then the ridiculous thing is that she, the lady was like. Well, then they look like they'd they dress like they'd rather be at a bar or something like that. I mean, they they they'd bear to dress fine. It's generally a thing of because the kids of the president generally considered to be awful. Like they're not political people. They are not the ones that are you know in the news all the time. They're just you know they're just kids, and that's generally been the policy. I, the, the whole thing of that was just so just bizarre and ridiculous. I I have no idea why. The lady went off for a little tangent. It was just, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, and, and once again, it continues our uh, our long going research why the the world is going to be ending soon because nothing seems to be right. 
yeah. as uh, as social media continues to just ruin good people. Because I have no idea. I've never right. met this woman. I have no idea if she's good or not. Apparently not if she's taking shots. Because I love it. The, the you know, correspondence on CNN and Fox News, they're saying, you know, you can you can bash the president all you want. But it's like with the kids, come on. Why? Uh, I agree. Why? All right, so back to sports. Uh, quick college football. Th- and I guess a good tie to the NFL as well. Before we get to our college basketball to preview, uh, talk about con- uh, wh- who we think is the uh, – the uh, the person the team that's getting the less talked about in the previous some big games, including tonight of uh, Kentucky and Texas. But in college football, Brady Hoke fired leaves fired, yeah, fired leaves whatever he's gone at Michigan coach. The search begins now. There is uh, there's rumors that uh, Coach McIntyre from Colorado State could be in the mix. Even uh, as many as uh, Jim Harbaugh want as uh-huh. uh, Lloyd Carr, former Michigan coach, said that Jim Harbaugh should be the new Michigan coach. Flo, who do you think she'd? Uh, and of course, Brian Greasy is going to be on the search committee and says it will be deliberate to find a new coach as fast as possible. Flo, who would you like to see uh, wearing the maize and blue on the sidelines? Well, I think, you know, the Harbaugh's, everyone's going to look at them, both Jim and John. I think Jim is, you know, because he had so much success at Stanford. He's had a ton of success with the 49ers. And everyone, it's like a foregone conclusion that he's not going to return to the 49ers. Everyone thinks he's going to be there. Uh, are going to be in the mix. But, I mean, you know, would you really rather go for an NFL job where there's going to be team franchises, the Raiders, the Jets are going to throw a ton of money at them? Would you rather have all the power and likely run personnel operations in the NFL or then go to back to college? I don't think that's going to happen. I think that, you know, now that now that Michigan and Nebraska, two other pride profile moves, they've already found their guy. Uh, Florida hired Jim McElwain from Colorado State uh, yesterday, and then Nebraska came out of nowhere and, su- and surprised and stunned everybody by hiring uh, Mike Riley out of Oregon State. So for this Michigan job, you know, uh, I think uh, they're going to look at Dan Mullen. Uh, they're going to look at somebody like a Greg Schiano. I think Greg Schiano could very well end up being the guy. But I think there's so there's so much emphasis on finding a Michigan man, which I think is just ridiculous. You know, they they brought in Brady Hoke, who really wasn't a Michigan guy. He had coached in Michigan, but he's from Ball State to replace Rich Rod, who of course Rich Rod started pretty poorly. He did improve the team every year, but then he got axed. Brady Hoke gets all of his players, go wins the Sugar Bowl, and then Brady Hoke drives the program back into threat. So Mullen, I think Mullen. I think he would stay in Mississippi State. I think Shiana wouldn't be that exciting of a hire, but I think Shiana would be a good coach, and I think he'd be a decent hire. Nobody would really get that excited, but I don't think either of the Harbaugh's are going to be uh, are going to end up with the job. I don't think Les I don't think Les Miles is going to get the job. Going to be in the mix of the job either because he's at least sixty-one. So I think you could very well see somebody like Greg Shiano get that job. Les Miles can't leave. He's got he's got him it's like him and Bob Stoops are always the two names that are that are tabbed for new coaching jobs. Yeah. And many were saying Stoops want people wanted Stoops to go to Florida. And you know, now that McElwain has taken over at Florida, that that job's uh-huh. done. So now Michigan is the next big thing. The Harbaugh thing it's like the perfect storm. You know, he is he is the perfect candidate. He would be a great coach. We saw him what he did at Stanford, you know, he, what he left at Stanford. Now they're you know, they're relevant before the last you know, they they hadn't been good. Since yeah. you know the Jim the Jim Plunkett years, but <laughs> the concerns with the Harbaugh's and even Shiano because he is coached in the NFL is there's always the uh, the little enticement to go back to the pros. 
What if Harbaugh does real? Say he does really well at Michigan State. It leads him back to a bowl game, Big Ten title, playoff, Rose Bowl, what have you. And then all of a sudden, another NFL team calls and wants him, and he leaves. Totally ruins it. Michigan has to start from scratch again. Another interesting name that came across is uh, Todd Graham from Arizona State. Now, he has, I don't have no idea what ties of he has, but Arizona State was a very good team this year and yeah. bounced in and out of the, the top ten, much like their, their state counterpart, Arizona. And another name that I guess many would see uh, is, is obvious that I'm, I'm going to say is I think Dan Mullen would – I think he'll leave Mississippi State to go to the Big Ten. You think so? I mean, but that's, that's, that's the thing. Would you, would, you leave, would you leave? You know, would you leave what you have at Michigan State or Mississippi State, yeah. knowing that you have good a good year this year to build to then leave? Because whoever takes the Michigan job is going to have about is going to need about eight years just to establish something. Because that team, that team stunk. I mean, that team was dreadful to watch. Yeah. I and mean, they're losing they're losing games on a, they're losing like 30 to 0 against like Minnesota. They're they're struggling against Penn State. I mean, I think they, you know, I'm going to be surprised if they if they, I mean, you know, I think Maryland could have beat them. I I think they didn't, which I'm glad because I can't stand Maryland. But no, yeah, Maryland, Michigan, I believe Maryland did beat them. They did. Go figure. So the Michigan job's still up for grabs. That's right. And we'll keep you covered on that for uh for Fanatic Radio. I would like to see Jim Harbaugh, but I don't think he's going to go back. That being said, NFL, we roll forward. National Football League, big games. Thursday night football, a great, uh, great uh, quote from Dallas Cowboys' Des Bryant when asked, you know, when they always go to the sidelines to uh, to see how he's yelling at his teammates because he himself ain't no pro bowler. Uh, he says on his sideline antics, quote, I don't give a explicit who films it. So, class act, wearing number 88, last great cowboy to wear, number 88, Michael Irvin, who, uh, as we've mentioned in various YouTube videos, and just watching the <laughs> NFL Network, he is a clown. But uh, instead of instead, – we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit. First of all, shout-out to Flo's Pack, who beat who beat Golden Boy and Tom Brady. They have looked like the best team in the NFL. Can they stay that way, though? Three games left in the – four games left in the season and then the playoffs. It seems like they're rolling on all four cil- – they're all rolling not on four cylinders – they're going to a V8. Uh, <laughs> that's right. You're certainly saying, you know, and the key for them this year, as always, Aaron Rodgers has just been omnipotent, particularly of late. He's got a ridiculous, you know, we all were marveling last year, a 27-2 to interception or a touchdown interception ratio for Nick Foles. But uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is working at a pretty good one himself. He's had 32 touchdowns, only three interceptions. He's looking like he's going to be in the mix for the MVP, he's been fantastic. Running game hasn't been great, but they haven't needed it to be great. The defense is making stops when they've got to. But, you know, again, it all comes back to Rodgers. Rodgers has just been amazing this year. And for the Packers, they've been tremendous at home. They look like uh, a team poised very well to be the team to beat in the NFC and to very well get to the Super Bowl. You know, for a Packers fan, you know, I, I, I'm obviously enjoying all of this. And I think that with the way they've been playing, the confidence they've had, and particularly if they get home field advantage, how tremendous they have looked at home, you can very well see this team being right there to get to Glendale for the Super Bowl. 
They've looked great. Aaron Rodgers MVP numbers. We've been spoiled with good MVP candidates this year, but Rodgers, Brady, Manning, you know, Calvin Johnson. But Aaron Rodgers has been class of the field. So now I want to shift shift gears because we talk enough about the good teams in in, uh, in the NFL. Uh, for the last few minutes of this segment, before we uh, we take another music break, we definitely got to talk about the bad teams. Uh, immediately want to start off with the Cleveland Browns. They lose again to the Buffalo Bills, and. Huh. Interesting, what got everyone in the NFL coverage you know, oozing is the fact that Johnny Manziel played and scored a touchdown yep. in, in, mm-hmm. in a magical 12 minutes. But uh, Brian Hoyer has been named the starting quarterback this weekend against the Indianapolis Colts. And here's what both quarterbacks mm-hmm. had to say earlier this week talking to the media. Like I told you guys on Monday, I mean, I was going to come in here and prepare like I have the entire year. And, uh, you know, obviously Coach Petten told me the news and, you know, back to business as usual, just like – like I said, I would prepare either way, and um, so it's good to get back out there and, and get a good day's work in, get ready for Indy. Been through a lot, and it's just one more thing to you know handle some adversity, and, and I think it only makes you stronger. So, um, you know, like I said, back here on Wednesday and getting ready for Indy, and back to business as usual. I, I know I felt like I came out and I, I did what I was supposed to do and, and be prepared and come in the game and lead us down the field and 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 be competitive is what I want to do, and I want to show even through practice, even after this, that my mood hasn't changed and I'm not taking this lightly and um, all this is going to do is motivate me to, to come in here to work every day, come to practice and continue to try and elevate my game to where next time there's a situation like this, maybe there's no doubt. I applaud Cleveland player. You know, and that thing, that's what a lot of, of smart people, that's my boys at PTI, my, Mike Wilbon was saying, yeah, it's good that Mike Pettit is sticking with his, you know, his, his guns to see a quarterback that to see him out for the rest of the season. You know, Johnny Manziel's been a good backup. You know, when he's come in, he's served his time. But, you know, I wouldn't be the starter now. They have a bye this they have the game. They didn't have the bye. They have three games left. How many games they have left. I wouldn't play them. And in Cleveland, they're in, you know, they control their own destiny to get a wild card. Maybe even win the division if the Bungles lose more. Yeah, I mean, you know, I actually thought for a while because, yeah, he came in and Buffalo was already up pretty convincingly up a couple of touchdowns, and they had pulled some of their top defensive players at the time. But, I mean, you know, the thing everyone talks about with Hoyer, I mean, he hasn't played, as I think, as great as some people have thought, and he really has been pretty inconsistent of late. So I actually thought for a while that Pennant was going to start Manziel, and thus I was maybe uh, more surprised than I should have been when he decided to start Hoyer. But I think now I think that Hoyer is going to be on a little bit of a leash, you know, I've been saying about this Browns team really all season long. I'm impressed with what they've done, but I I still think there's some smoke and mirrors with this team, and I don't think they're as good as their record says they are. But you know what? Even that, they're right in the mix for the wild card and in the division because everybody is alive in the AFC North. It's pretty pretty wild to see. So, I mean, I could see the reasoning why they're sticking with Hoyer, but I think that, you know, when Manziel did come in, and, of course, it's always different when a quarterback comes in and leaves, they'll come in and, you know, they'll, they'll be a spark, particularly the offensive sputter. But I think, you know, the thing with Hoyer, he just hasn't played that well, and you know, if they're going to be got a team in the playoff hunt, you can't be afraid to put in a guy that they, you think you have the best chance to win. If you think that's the Hoyer, that's fine. But if if Hoyer continues to struggle, I mean, you know, you can't be tentative 
to make a switch. At least they got a quarterback. And, of course, the other team that I want to talk about is the, uh, our good friends in the district, Washington Skins. Oh, and that the, uh, the Washington Post reported that now our, uh, our good friend Dan Snyder is, is accepting the fact that it's my swear. And they got Jay Gruden saying he needs to leave or just bench him. They at least have quarterbacks to deal with. Now you put the faith of, of the team in the hands of Colt McCoy. But Kirk Cousins certainly didn't get it done. What are your thoughts of, right. you know, of, of a, this Redskins team? Uh, the, you, know, you invest so much money and put in the, you know, the face of your franchise and, and, and Robert Griffin, how much he has just fallen off. It seems like the Redskins, every step they take, you know, they take two steps back. You know, they get Robert Griffin, leads him to the playoffs, then he gets hurt. Yeah, you know, then they get Alfred Morris out of the steal because he was a good run. He's he's a good running back, a good purpose back, power back. But then they lose Brian Arakbo to injury. Then they sign yeah. they sign Deshaun Jackson to power up the offense. Get Pierre Garcon. Then London Fletcher retires. Their defense has been decent, and but then D'Angelo Hall has you know had issues. And it's a, t- a franchise that is. Just they're so, they're so out of whack. Flo, what do you make of of Robert Griffin? Is he going to go elsewhere, or is he going to stay a Washington Redskin till the day he dies? I think that he's ultimately going to go elsewhere. And I think that you know when you've heard what Jay Gruden is that to say, what reports have had him saying about Griffin. I think that you know because the thing was with Griffin, he was tremendous as a rookie, but he still showed that he needed work to do as a pocket quarterback. But as deep as shows like the 49ers can show, I mean, not as much of Blake because Colin Kaepernick struggled, but you got to be able – Griffin was always going to struggle molding, being molded into the classic pocket quarterback. That's just not what his game is. And I think the problem is now with Jay Gruden is that he was brought in to try to mold him into that guy. And I think it's like trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. It really just hasn't worked. And, you know, Griffin has been moody, and there were issues with, between him and Shanahan last year, both Shanahan, as well as the ownership, Dan Snyder, who was widely seen as being very protective of Griffin. But now Griffin, and he just hasn't been the same player that he was when he was a rookie, particularly after that devastating uh, devastating uh, leg and knee injury. So I think for them, I think for all parties, I think for the sake of Jay Gruden, although you never know with Dan Snyder, he's always very finicky with his coaches. He loves the medal and just be a terrible owner, but that's that's his prerogative because he doesn't own the team nonetheless. But I think that for um, uh, Gruden to move forward, I think he's got to get his own guy at quarterback. There will be options in this draft. Cousins is not the guy. Cole McCoy's shown some flashes, but let's be honest, he's really just a backup. And I think that Griffin, there are options for teams. I think teams would be interested in him because he does have physical tools. I still think he can be a good quarterback. I'm not told that he could be a franchise quarterback. But, you know, now after all they've invested in him, it just hasn't worked out. So I think ultimately it will be best for both sides to have a parting of the way. 
But with your backups quarterbacks is Colt McCoy and Kirk Cousins. Do the, do the Skins go and get another quarterback? I mean, right now they're they're currently they're tanking the season. They're currently in the race for Mariota. Who, uh, other than that, the Oakland Raiders are going to get. That's probably where Mariota's going to end up in Oakland. Which that team is is dreadful. A, a quick tangent: the fact that you lost fifty-two to zero oh. in a in a NFL game. You know, you know, professional athletes where they get paid every day to play football, and you don't score and get fifty-two points scored on you. That is yeah. so humiliating. I mean, I love it. Al Davis said, "Just win, baby." But you know, the the fine print is he never said how much you need to win. He just said just <laughs> win, baby, and they got that win. But, but That's right. The Skins go after another quarterback, or are they just wasting their time with that? I think for – and, you know, that's the thing. When you bring in new guys, you bring in a new coach, and you bring in a guy that's had success with quarterback and groomed in a very good play caller with Andy Dalton, he's, I think, going to want to bring in his own guy. And I think, as, as I was saying, it's not going to happen with Robert Griffin. Yes, they've invested a ton in him, but it's – probably the best for the two to part ways. Cousins is going to be the guy, and Cole McCoy is not going to be the guy. I think there are going to be other guys in the mix. You mentioned Mariota, who everyone will want, but there'll be other guys like Brett Hundley, uh, the notorious James Winston, and there are some other guys you can have in this draft that's at the top. So they'll be in the mix to move around at the top because they're, they're not winning really that many games anytime soon. So they'll be in the mix, I think, and I think Gruden will want to bring in a new guy. And Dan Snyder, I think they, the team that ultimately the franchise is ultimately Sarah and Griffin. He'll want to get a new toy, just like when they got in Robert Griffin, a new exciting product. And I think ultimately that they're going to bring in a new guy. As to whom it will be, that will be determined uh, come, uh, I guess, now the draft in June. So come late in the year. Right. I'll take a music break when we come back. College basketball. And uh, some funny offbeat stories that we would love to send your way. Once again, listen to FNAC Radio, powered by 1-800 Flowers, reminding you that promotion is extended December 5th tonight, midnight tonight. Save 25%. Use promo code HLDYTWNTYFV. Holiday 25. Free shipping, no service charge. On exclusive collections, only at 1-800 Flowers. You're listening to Fanatic Radio. It's Fanatic Radio. Not a game. We're talking about practice. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio.
Another Girl, Another Planet by The Only Ones here on Fanatic Radio. My gardener, Ben Florence. Check out the podcast on iTunes, BFO360. Check out Flo's weekend updates of NFL and college picks, bull picks, announcer schedules. So you can find out which team you, you and game you do not want to watch by your, your <laughs> least favorite or favorite broadcaster is doing that game. Yeah, listen back to the episode. As I mentioned, you can listen to our breakdown of the college football championship games, including tonight's game, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Fox, with Brando on the call, uh, live in Santa Clara, Pac-12 championship game, Oregon-Arizona. I could see Arizona winning that, though. It'd be a disaster for Oregon because they've looked great. The only question is what colored uniforms they're going to wear. That's what my mom always says. Every time Oregon's on, because now Colorado's in the Pac-12. My mother has taken full investment in the Pac-12 teams, and she always it gets mad that Oregon always comes out with a different jersey. So I am going with tonight. They'll be the home team. They will wear the neon yellow, like that limeish yellow, bright yellow, everything, green socks, and then one of those like chrome helmets. That is my uh, Oregon jersey prediction. We're going to start that. It's a feature next year. Fnac Radio picks. We take bets on who the what the Oregon jersey combination is going to be with 6,000 combination. There's only one Fanatic Radio. Enough, but enough of that. College basketball, great games this week. Even more games this week or this weekend. Of course, tonight, yeah, Texas Longhorns who uh, beat a very good UConn team in Connecticut take on Kentucky. So you can watch the 7 p.m. Eastern. ESPN and flip over to Fox, watch the Pac-12 championship game. Texas-Kentucky, we've mentioned how great this Kentucky team was when we had Josh Ponell on the show after they smashed Kansas into the next millennium. This Texas team, though, my brother saw them in the garden for the Coaches versus Cancer uh, 2K Classic benefiting Wounded Warriors. Could Texas, beat, could Texas actually beat Kentucky? Is this the sort of the first true test just to see how good this Kentucky team is? I think that the thing with the, uh, as I just had to step out of an elevator because I'm on the phone. Fantastic. Yeah, somebody was actually sneaking around behind me. I'm like, I'm not going to be that kind of blabbering on the phone. But anyway, I think it's going to be an interesting test. The Texas team got the good guys. Rick Barnes has, you know, he saved his job last year. We put it together a very good squad last year when everyone thought that he was going to be dead to right. I still think Kentucky's going to win this game, but I think Texas has got some good guys, and I think they'll play can play with a little chip on their shoulder. I don't think Kentucky's going to dominate this guy like they dominated Kansas, but hey, you never know. But I like Kentucky to win. It should be a good game. If it was in if it was in Austin, I'm surprised it's not an alternate site. Knowing Calipari, hate he loves alternate sites because he can just recruit. I'm sorry they didn't come down to Texas. Calipari could get some more uh, the next Julius Randle. But because it's in Lexington, Kentucky will win. I think it'll be close. Watching Texas play UConn, they're they're very they're big. They they've got length, which is this Rick Barnes team has not have has not had, you know, since they had Lamarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Texas would hang in there. They beat Connecticut on the road, which is which is amazing. Yeah, they they yeah. they won in the Garden. They they beat a pretty bad Cal team, but Cal had some bigs as well. But this is a true test for Kentucky just to see just how good they are. I see Texas probably losing by about eight or nine. Because now the question is, Texas is just as athletic as Kentucky, which would be a very interesting game. 7 p.m. Eastern ESPN. Yeah, a great matchup. 
Who has been the best college basketball team that you've seen? Because we saw some some teams put on some some great performances. We had you know Duke beat Wisconsin, and then uh, in chock full of other games. Who's been the most surprising team that you've seen over the past week? Well, I think that the Duke Blue Devils have looked very good, and I think that winning uh, against Wisconsin was very impressive, particularly as the their defense actually made some key stops. So I think that was an impressive game. You know, I, but I'm still, you know, it, it's almost kind of cliche to continue to harp on it. But I was still, I'm still thinking about, it, still surprised about how incredibly dominant Kentucky just smashed Kansas, a good, very good Kansas team that could very well be in the mix to go to the Final Four. So I think that, well, at least that's what we thought at the start of the year. So I still think that while everyone expected Kentucky to be very good, they've got, you know, 18 million McDonald's All Americans. And the great John Galipari, of course. But I think I was so surprised at how much they smashed the living daylight out of Kansas. Yeah, in every other game, they've, they've taken no mercy. Uh, two teams, there's been three teams I've been very surprised with in terms of, of the big teams. Obviously, Duke, Pressive went on the road in Madison this past week, beating a good, a good Wisconsin team that, that, that we saw demolish a American last year. But a couple of teams, and they'll be showcased this weekend. Uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs is one, and they mm-hmm. play. They, they've done. They've they have looked good because they've got guys on their team that are big, big, and that can play defense. They're not stock stock. Sadly, Stockton's son doesn't play on the team anymore. But Zidrana uh, Sabonis, Sabonis' mm-hmm. son, a freshman, like a seven foot freshman, is putting up like double digit numbers, and he's he's good. Kevin Pangos, All-American, one of the best guards in the country, can shoot, can shoot right. anywhere, considering how small he is. But they have they have their test. They play at Arizona on Saturday evening, sort of a, a mid after late afternoon game, a 5:30 Eastern, and that that's another good test to see how good Gonzaga is against bigger and better ranked teams. Also, I want to give a shout out to Arizona because that is where Austin Carroll is a graduate assistant. Cruz is by sitting with on the same bench as Sean Miller and the number three team in the country. Yeah. So I want to give How him a shout. Gonzaga has been a good team. They've been strong. Virginia, number seven in the country. They've been they've been solid. No Joe Harris, but they still have three point shooting. They've out rebounded their opponents by plus fifteen. Now I have <laughs> no idea how in the world a college basketball team can out rebound someone by that big of a margin. But that that is a team that could run the tables in the in the ACC, or so I thought until I saw what you know what what Louisville they almost blew it against Ohio State. And Ohio State I don't know uh, they, he's got they've got a guy on their team who uh, is a very quick point guard, D'Angelo Russell, a six five point guard. He is very he's very good. Sadly, he will not stay in school. And uh, and will immediately go to the draft. Okay, he doesn't belong in college for two minutes, no less one year. So once again, good college basketball player ruined by the NBA. And then the final team I want to give a shout out to that looked very impressive, including with big wins, is Old Dominion. Now I pause when I say that because for those for those diehard Fanatic Radio listeners <laughs> know, Old Dominion is coached by a man named Jeff Jones. Who I is pause that? again. I pause again because if you don't know who Jeff Jones is, if you're a diehard listener of the show. He was once the head coach at American University. <laughs> a good coach. Led our team to the first step, back-to-back tournament appearances. First time ever in school history. 
Yeah. I wouldn't say a, a great coach. He, he he had he relied heavily on big on big guys to go outside in. You know, really hated to take gambles and went with <laughs> high low offense and 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 everything everything goes through the post. So he leaves. You know, we buy we buy out his leaves leaves his giant contract in America and go to Old Dominion Conference USA team. Now he gets to be on a bigger stage. What can he do? Average his first year, eh, sort of, so so. His second year though, oh my goodness! I'm surprised. This team should be ranked next week. They upset a Virginia Commonwealth team. I don't know how, because everyone thought VCU. Is not is not a bad team either. They're 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 a solid c- club, but Old Dominion won seventy three to sixty seven against a against a fourteenth ranked VCU. They've only lost once, but they've beat George Mason, who's an Atlantic Ten team, LSU, who's an SEC team, Richmond, mm-hmm. who's another Atlantic Ten team. Jeff Jones's team is only <laughs> one loss. I don't know how. When their leading scorer is averaging not even 20 points, but hilarious! Shout out to Jeff Jones' team, six and one leading conference USA. That team is going to win that conference because I don't see anyone else. No, that in that conference, that maybe Charlotte, being the uh, the conference USA aficionado I am, which I'm not, but that team is going to win that conference. And Jeff Jones is going to return. Imagine if Jeff Jones and Mike Brennan return to the tournament. That is. Oh gosh. That is onions, as Bill Rafty likes to say. <laughs> but Texas plays Kentucky tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Then you can tune on on ESPN. Then you can tune on to Fox. The uh, Pac-12 championship game, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, big stories I definitely want to uh, talk about. Let's talk some b-balls. Uh, we kind of did, but uh, some NBA news. Kevin Durant <laughs> comes back and drops 27 in his debut. He looked like he never missed a step. He looked like he didn't miss yeah. a beat. And then uh, another guy I want to give a shout out to is Steph Curry, who has just been taking the NBA by storm. But uh, an even an even bigger story in, in basketball news is uh, apparently Kobe Bryant is less than I think less than a hundred points away from passing Michael Jordan on the scoring list. Should we be excited for that, or does that just make us hate him even more? Uh, who is this again? <laughs> Kobe Bryant, apparently, you know, oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. leading the league in scoring, and he has got so much, I don't know why he has, it's like this very undercover, undercover beef with Michael Jordan, that he he wants to be so much better than the all-time great. Apparently, he's less than 100 points away from passing him on third all-time in the scoring list. And this is, of course, yeah. a couple of weeks after he set the record for the most missed shots. Should we be ha- embracing yeah. that Kobe Bryant's going to be third all-time, or does that make us just want to hate him even more? You know, I think that, you know, whenever people compare anybody to Jordan, you know, even as somebody who is perhaps a top ten all-time player, Kobe Bryant. But, you know, you look at it, Kobe, you know, and he's played on, and you look at this team, this team is so bad, and where he is basically the, like, the sole option. Similar to a lot of those years, particularly in the uh, the Phil Jackson Wilderness years, or before, uh, before, and at, or uh, after he left the first time, and then before he came back, when they were just atrocious. You know, I don't hate Kobe the way people other hate him. You know, again, we talked about it—the list of him missing the most shots 
ever. But, you know, Jordan's on this list. All the all-time greats are on that list. After all, you would think you would want your best guy taking the most shots. I mean, everyone always trashes Kobe Bryant for shooting too much. But, I mean, he wasn't going to give the shots to, on this team, to, you know, I like Lynn, but, I mean, come on. Robert Sacre. So, I think that I don't think there really is reason to hate him. I mean, yeah, he definitely has his feet probably because Kobe wants to be the best of all time. And he's, you know, a super competitive guy. Jordan is probably one of the most competitive guys ever. So, he doesn't want anybody to get in his mix. So, but I actually don't have any problems with uh, Kobe Bryant. I'm fine with him if he passes Jordan, you know. Jordan's the greatest ever, but it's not like, you know, he's such a god that you can't ever, you know, you have to bow down ahead of him, you know what I'm saying. True. All right, and another another interesting story that uh, that occurred just actually this week. For those of the uh, the millennial and even the uh, the older generation that loves to uh, to stay abreast with what's going on with pop culture in the world, most most of you people and listeners may be familiar with this song. Open Gangnam Style. That's right. All right, this song Gangnam Style came out in 2012 and has made such a huge impact. It actually broke the system. It crashed YouTube, and apparently it hit so many views on the YouTube video. It broke YouTube's 32-bit integer. So. If you go to if you click on the video now and go to YouTube and put your cursor over the number, it just looks like a like a odometer. It just spins out of control. Look, can you imagine that this song actually broke a, a website that actually has a flaw in the number counting system? Yeah, and you know, so many people were talking about Kim Kardashian and that picture of her, you know, of her bosom. Breaking the internet, but this actually this song has broken the internet. It broke YouTube's code, so That's it really a, is. I think it's. I thought and it was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. And the craziest thing, and the and I think people, you know, this is this is not like you know it's like it's not like a Bieber song. This is a guy who's you know a huge star in South Korea, but he's in South Korea. The song's entirely in Korean. So, but it's because, you know, it's got the the funky, crazy beat, and it's got the dance moves, and it looks ridiculous, and the crazy video, and thus, it, it really is, when you think about it, it's kind of wild that that song has been, you know, the one that's just completely blown the doors off of YouTube. Yeah, and, this, and this is the number, I think, it just staggers me. As of now, of course, it's broken. I'm looking at it right now. The number is two is two billion hits. It's the first ever YouTube video to hit, I think, a billion, and it's the most viewed YouTube video of all time. But as of now, it's two billion one hundred fifty-eight million five hundred ninety-five thousand four hundred and sixty-one, with eight million likes. Now, the world alone has seven billion people, and I'm sure that there's been people that have hit hit refresh. So we can't say that there's been 2 billion people that have watched this. But if you take every person in the world 
and and assign them a view on this YouTube video. This this video alone represents almost a third of the world's population. <laughs> I I mean that that I can't fathom. I mean, the fact that it, it it is he is a Korean star, and yeah. The and and considering that India and China alone is a third of the world's population, just because the population density is so immense on the east side of the on the east side. That I could see why this video has so many, but two billion. The fact that it represents a third of the world. This guy was a nobody, and now he is. He was. I think he performed, you know, at last year's you know Christmas at Washington Festival. He's not even American, but it. It's a catchy song. Flo, you love a little Gagne style. Absolutely, you know. And so many people were like, "Oh, I hate this song because so, so many times when something gets popular." And it gets popular, and you know, it just becomes, you know, everyone's after it. I don't think it's a terrible song. And what people actually figured out what the song was about is, you know, it kind of satirizes pop culture. You know, I think Gagnum is like, uh, you know, uh, like neighborhood in Seoul, South Korea. And it was like satirizing, like, you know, kind of like, you know, I think it was like materialism or something. But it's actually kind of interesting looking at the background. I don't think it's a terrible song. You know, so me. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, a couple more stories before we end. I do want to give a shout out that Flo. I gave this story to mention this to Flo earlier in the week. Flo's boy Martin Broder is set to return, and it's going to yeah. start next week for the St. Louis Blues. Flo, are you mixed emotions or just angry and enraged that a guy who sold out your Jersey Devils signed a one-year contract with the St. Louis Blues? You know, I don't I don't view it that way at all. It'll definitely be seen weird because, you know, I've always been, you know, really a Devils fan. And he is, the rise of him has been really was our franchise. We had uh, moved from Colorado, moved from Denver in 81. For the first decade of the franchise or so, we weren't that good. And then in the mid-90s, we broke out. We won three cups in less than a decade. And Marty Brodor was the biggest reason why. I mean, yeah, we had great players, but it was because of him. So it's going to be weird seeing him. And then I don't view it as him betraying. I don't think it's that at all. I think we could have signed him and brought him back, but it was going to be awkward because I think he still wanted to play. And, you know, it got to the point where we had another guy that we had uh, traded a first-round pick for, Corey Schneider, who, let's just be honest, was playing better than him. So it's going to be awkward. I think the team thought that it wasn't going to be fair to Brodeur to have him basically sit on the bench. So I got no problem with it. If he can still play, if he can be useful, you know, I always love Marty Brodeur. So I got I got no problem with it. Good for him if he can still go out and perform well. <laughs> but as soon as he comes to Jersey, the boos, the boo birds will be in full flock. He makes his uh, start as a blue on Thursday, so that's next week. Stay tuned. And our final story is uh, UAB cuts their football program. Flo, what are your thoughts on that? Knowing that the landscape, college football, we talked all 30 minutes earlier on the top of the show about college football is having this playoff. Yep. Billions are getting pumped in, but yet we're seeing a trend. You know, the Power Five conferences taking over. The small schools are going to suffer, and UAB is just a tip of the iceberg. You know, and but the real problem here is that in John Solomon over at um, – CBS Sports has read actually a couple of great pieces on it. The problem with UAB is that, yes, their football has lost money, their athletics, 
uh, athletics department is, uh, has significant financial issues. But they're not; they're far from the only school that does that. The real thing behind it is because there have been issues because their funding, because they're part of the Alabama school system, the funding is run by the trustees for the state university system which is the problem because they put so much emphasis on the University of Miami at Tuscaloosa or University of Alabama at Tuscaloosa. I don't know where Miami came from. And put all the emphasis on them. And then UAB, which really has no reason, you know, Bur- yeah, Birmingham is the biggest thing. They have terrible facilities. And they put anything this year. They hired a new coach. You know, Bill Clark has done really good stuff this year. But it's basically it's just been an issue with the trustees who basically have put nothing into the program. It goes back to an old, old argument of like 35, 40 years ago from Gene Bartow, who started the basketball program. And I, and I think it was both, and not Bear Bryant, but I think it was his son, who was, I, who was on the trustees or something like that. It's a silly political game that the Board of Trustees in the state of Alabama have done. It's a disgrace. And I think it's pretty much shameful. And I think the fact that there is a lot of outrage I think it's totally legitimate, and I think it's just terrible. But it also speaks to what you're saying. It's going to be very tough, especially as we're eventually going to go and we're going to start paying players and stuff. It's going to be even harder for the schools at the bottom to keep up. A lot of them barely can barely subsidize football, and but you know they do it because it does bring in. They can keep, kind of have that school uni, and it does bring in more exposure than you won't get, but. I think it's going to be interesting, but I think this is also uh, kind of in a unique case uh, rather than speaking further at large about the small guys, the small schools, and not big-time college football. I love it because they're boosting you – know, the, the mothership is boosting this selection show as, as the next – as the greatest thing since sliced bread, trying to That's make right. it – what trying to basically make it like the college basketball – Sad thing is, though, what college football doesn't understand is there's a lot more schools that compete for the NCAA tournament. A lot small, a lot of the smaller schools that get into the NCAA tournament that makes it more sentimental. I mean, we can we can speak on that behalf. We saw our team make the tournament, and, and just a euphoria of, of of accomplishment. Sad thing with college football is there's less teams to begin with, and then it gets even smaller because there's a good chunk of college football teams that can't even compete for it because they're in. The FCS playoff, the one double, the one double A, as we see. But an interesting article on um, FoxSports.com that shows the Department of Education has a uh, a little graph, a little bar graph and, and spreadsheet of several schools that football is really damaging, and a good majority of these schools come from the from Conference USA, UTEP, North Texas. UA, UA, UA and UAB's conference. This is so. This is UAB's conference. In mm-hmm. terms of revenue and expenses, half that conference breaks even. In Western Kentucky, actually losing money on their football. So, so I, you know, it's it's sad to see. It. Well, first of all, no, it's not sad because I, I don't like it when small colleges have football teams. I don't think small colleges need football teams. Football does not. The only football that drives this country is the National Football League. And and then the big con. Yeah. Sad thing is, Power Five conferences are going to take over. You know, we're seeing rumors that Colorado State might want to go to wants to go to the Big Twelve. I have no idea what the Big Twelve's thoughts on that are, but that that is wild. You know, we saw conference. We saw football ruin college sports, and now it's 
ruining it again. A lot of the small conference, a lot of the small conferences just can't support football. I I personally think that some there should there should not. I, I mean, I love one double A as much as the next guy, but I do not think those teams should be a football team. I think you know, more if more money goes into those other small sports, imagine what the landscape of college sports would be in terms of the Olympic sports. You know, the basketball could potentially be better with with, with facilities. It'd be more parity. It will see we'd see more upsets. We'd see great. We'd see smaller sports that have sort of big national coverage, like lacrosse, volleyball, soccer. We're seeing a lot of these sports get cut. And then, and then you know, in full circle, we go back to the World Cup and think, why can't we win the World Cup? Well, our best players aren't, our best athletes aren't playing these uh, this sport. Why can't we go medal in the Olympics? Well, our best athletes aren't playing these sports. Instead, they're playing football, where you know, seventy percent of them won't even go to the NFL. I think I only, I think I, you know, one percent of of college basketball players make the NBA, which is that, that, that's a stat from Gary Williams. Shout out to Don Marcus and Gary Williams. He's now in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, so that um, is is very is very sad. You know the motions that they're going to leave. But it's like, stop! You have a a, a a decent college basketball program. Mm-hmm. We love and I love and we love college basketball. And I, I'm being biased because I went to a school that just has college basketball. But any other final shout outs, Flo, that you want to give before we sign off? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your boys uh, just down the road at uh, Southern Methodist University. There's an interesting uh, interview Seth Davis did with uh, Mustangs head coach Larry Brown. Yes. It's actually a, a very interesting read talking about his career and all the controversies, uh, the North, all the North Carolina stuff. It's a pretty interesting read. I know you're a Larry Brown fan, so I think, and I recommend it to you in this uh, edition that I just picked up. While doing this show, and my in my mail. So how about that? Yep, Larry Brown. Uh, they play Wyoming tonight. So and they have they've had a couple of, of I mean, they've lost to that Gonzaga team, who I said midway in the show is is a is a threat to to be good. That Gonzaga team plays defense, which mm-hmm. is nice to nice to see. Mark, if you have a good team. Interesting enough, Adam Morrison is a graduate assistant on that team. I love the that? former players coming back. Morrison's with Gonzaga. Jerry McNamara is on Bayheim staff. You know, we see Coach Krzyzewski, whose staff completely left. Wojciechowski mm-hmm. now at Marquette. Collins is at Northwestern. Coach K's staff now has John Shire, <laughs> I, 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 uh, Jeff Capel, who was at Oklahoma. We used to play for Coach K. Now he was at Oklahoma, now he's back. And, uh, and Nate James, all former, like, recent players of, of, of recent memory. Yeah. And, and then they, they they look great too. Uh, of course, Jalil Okafor does not play defense, which could come back to haunt him and get some foul trouble. Much of the yeah. uh, shades of Roblicky. which reminds me, American University. <laughs> I do want to give them a shout. I want to give a shout out to the volleyball team in the NCAA tournament, currently going on right now. They're down one set to zero against Atlantic Ten champions Dayton, but the AU Eagles back in the tournament again. Shout out to Barry Goldberg knows how to. Uh, Keep the blue chips coming in the in the Mid Atlantic area, and and to put Little American on the map through volleyball, with with a fantastic recruiting class as always. Back in the tournament, what was nationally ranked to start the season, twenty six and six, fifteen and one, another Patriot League title. I definitely want to give them a shout out, and this isn't a shout out, but I do want to to mention this before we sign off. <laughs> um, over the week. 
we have we have I've been witness to the American University team almost lose to a D2 team. That was uh, with Randolph uh, Randolph Macon, but Drexel oh, apparently gosh. went one worse. They lost earlier this week to a team called the University of the Sciences, a little D2 school in downtown Philly. Oh. Downed Drexel and made an embarrassment of the CAA conference on a, th- on a three-point buzz, like a buzzer beater. University of the Sciences gets Fanatic Radio's Hero of the Week. And you know who goes to Drexel? My sister Gabby. How about, yes. that? So how about that? Yes. She's representing her well. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. That is a fantastic segue. And on that note, it is it's time to close. Restart the green onions. Yep, it is time to close. But we want to we want to give a shout out to um to everyone who works on this show, us too, and and uh, a cast of others. Glad we're back on the air after a good Thanksgiving break. Cause we have pedaled, we are. Uh, Pedal to the Metal, or to quote uh, the song Fancy. Shoot, I totally forgot the lyrics. I don't know. Oh, um, we're in the F- Fanatic Radio. We are in the fast lane from L.A. to Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> As you'd like to thank uh, and ev- everyone for helping out with the show. Eileen Ehrlich for History and Sports. Graham Burns, whenever he's uh, finished. The finals are coming up for you, Flo. I want to wish you the best on that. And I also do want to give a, a shout out to uh, our good friend Ian Lutz, who is graduating early this weekend. I believe tomorrow. Ooh. So uh, I want to congratulate him on graduating, but I don't understand why he wants to get in the working world so fast because it is a cold, dark place that is not helpful to anyone except this show. But let's thank Fnac Radio. Right. Check out the podcast on iTunes, Bflow360, Facebook page, as we are powered by 1-800-Flowers. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. For exclusive deal tonight. Also, go to go to uh, go to shout to Taco Bell, the Live Moss student section. We will be we are going to try to get sponsored by Taco Bell to plug and get free swag because we think it's disgraceful that they don't let any other school except the college football playoffs get the free tickets. But uh, that's a rant for another day from the notorious Ben Florence. I'm Mike Gardner. This has been Fanatic Radio. Remembering, remind me, you all, we're not crazy, just fanatics. So long, everyone. <laughs>